Okay, so actually I've got a passage of uh, scripture to speak on this morning that I just love. I'm just so, it's one of my favourites. So how come that I'm so blessed? That's because I spoke on persecution last time, you know. So this time we've got a, a slightly different kind of message. Oh, thank you, God. Okay, let's pray. God, you are so good. You are the most awesome we just surrender to you, we surrender our ears to you and our hearts to you that we'd hear what you want to say to us personally today. And we just love you, Jesus. Amen. So let's turn to Acts 6, and today I'm going to talk on Philip. Now, Philip is not Philip the Apostle. This is Philip, and he's distinguished from him by being called Philip the Evangelist. Uh, and rightly so, because he was an amazing evangelist. So let's go to Acts chapter 6, and this is the first time we see him. So Philip was a Jew, but he actually was a different kind of Jew. He was a Greek-speaking Jew. So there were two different kinds of Jewish people in Jerusalem at that time, the Aramaic um, Hebrew-speaking Jews and the Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, and they had some issues with each other. Well, I mean, hey, doesn't that happen? Cultures and languages and disagreements. Yeah, so here was it right at the beginning. So let's look at Acts 6 verse 1. So in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, they're the Greek-speaking and language Jews, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be good at holding plates and can cook well. No. Full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Proctor, Nicanor, Timon, no, I can never get these names, are Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, so, um, you know, sometimes I've heard it said that these guys were... Um, really uh, chosen to serve at the tables. I don't actually think that's probably a correct interpretation here. Uh, from reading, I would say these guys were leaders in their own community already. But the issue was, were they humble enough to be shoulder-tapped for service and say yes when this probably wasn't what they saw as being their destiny? Oh, this is the way that the Lord often teaches us as we go through life. You know, we don't get to go right into the destiny that we saw afar immediately because we can't carry that responsibility. We're not humble enough to walk that way. 
God has to train us. He has to walk us step by step. And sometimes it's quite painful and sometimes it really brings out the arrogance of our hearts. And you know, God says that he will exalt the humble. But those who are arrogant, they will not get exalted. So this is a real example here of people who were full of the Spirit and they said yes to a shoulder tap. So it wasn't even the apostles' shoulder tap, actually. The apostles said to all the other guys, you choose. And these guys had a good reputation. And so people knew that these people would do the job well. And don't we look for people like that? You don't have to uh, second guess what they'll do. You just know that they will faithfully perform the task that they've been given. So Stephen, well, we know what happened to Stephen. You know, he passed right through that and into, the, into glory because he was a man who spoke the word of God very plainly and people didn't like it. A man full of the Holy Spirit. Same with Philip. Okay. So, you know, in, in Matthew tw- uh, 25 is a parable about the talents and it says that Jesus says to, pe- to the people who did well with just the few things, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And God doesn't have a plan to restrict us because he's miserable. You know, he doesn't have a plan to confine us because he just wants us controlled. He's not like that. Actually, God wants to take us into a spacious place. But he has to train us for that spacious place or we'll just go a little bit wild. We need to know what his boundaries are before he can let us into that place. And we need to sometimes learn some personal skills and some people skills before he can move us on. But here was Philip, shoulder tapped and happy to do a deacon-like kind of a duty. So then, we're going to get to the main part now. So I've entitled this part, God's Travel Arrangements. And I mean, so you might think that I'm going to speak on Philip and evangelism, but actually Not this time. I'd love you to make up some thoughts on that. But this is what I feel the Lord wants to talk about today. So travel arrangements. Oh, mm. So we're pretty careful about travel arrangements, aren't we? Especially when we go overseas. What do we do? We've got it all booked, every single thing. And uh, second we've just tried to get everything, all the ducks in a row. Uh, Actually, God's um, dealt with us about this because... We have had situations where God has told us to go and to not make bookings. And, you know, uh, so the thing is that you won't get the miracles of God if you don't need them. You know, why will God give you miracles if actually your car works really well and you're driving there? But if you're in a place and you don't know how you're going to get out of that place, but God told you to go there, well, then he will provide a miracle for you. And I can remember when we were, um, God had called us to pray right up the top of Laos and he told us to go right to the border of China. And so we were there, the bus dropped us off before it went through the tunnel and we just prayed. We didn't feel a massive Holy Spirit anything. 
but we sat down on the side of the road and we just prayed in tongues because God had told us to go there and pray. And, you know, we had no idea how we were going to get back from that very remote border place. Buses just don't go from there. That's not where people live. It's just a, a sort of a, a few buildings. So we'd done our praying and we turned around and we walked the other way and down the way there was a bus sitting there. And uh, Alex and I said, oh, what's that? Didn't see that before. Wonder what that is. And, you know, we have no language. We have no Chinese language and they have no English. Nor any Lao. I have a few Lao words, that's it. So, like, how do you do that? Well, actually, we're really good at miming. <clears throat> so we said to the guys, like, Luang Prabang. Luang Prabang. Luang Prabang. That's the place we wanted to go. Ah, ah, ah. And actually, we were able to negotiate to get on this bus, and it only had the staff because they brought a group up to the border and the, they were just walking through the border and then they were just going back express to this place that had taken us two days to get from the other way. We were there in, in about six hours. How, how's that? That's God. You know, but if we, did a, if we already knew, had booked and were sorted... God would have no need to do that and we wouldn't have that testimony. If you don't step out, you're not going to get the miracles. Yeah. So here we look at uh, Philip and he's uh, in a nice place. He's ministering in the church at home. And then suddenly there's this incredible push out. Persecution. But you know, all things work together for God to those who are called. And he knew that too. So he went and he even though this was a God push, he used it. Have you ever had a God push? Where God's actually pushed you, literally pushed you out of somewhere or something or away from some person. And you've got a choice about how you respond to this. And you know, a lot of us get a bit of a bitter spirit about it. Poor me, that I suffered this way. But, you know, what God says is, oh, I'll do it anyway if you will just have a mindset of miracles. <coughs> yeah. So, he wasn't having a wee pity party in his hovel that he was staying in or wherever he found to stay as a refugee. He was out there going, well, God loves these people too, and I would never have had a chance to minister to these people had I been back in Jerusalem. So here I go. Okay, take what I say, Lord. I'm going to be talking about you. And what happened? Man, there was a revival. Oh, oh, so the refugee brings revival. But if he hadn't been a refugee, there wouldn't have been this revival but he was prepared to go and to be God's man in that place. So he established this amazing, um, what would you call it, ministry really. It was highly successful. It was, um, in fact, we had Simon the Sorcerer talked about by Steve Gwynn the other week. 
dramatic. He moved in the authority of God. People were just saved. Demons were expelled. It was awesome stuff. This is a long-term calling to this place. Oh, but no, it isn't. Just because you're working successfully in a place doesn't mean that God's going to leave you there forever. Because there's other people who will have been trained up and will be able to step in after you've pioneered something. See, that's the thing about pioneering. You have a call. If you're a pioneer, you have a call to set something up, but you often need to let go of it and go on to the next pioneering stage because somebody else is called to run with that afterwards, but they couldn't have set it up. And, you know, the, thing, the sad thing is that a lot of pioneers can't let go of their baby. So if you're a pioneer in something, just be careful about that because God doesn't always want you to stay in the place where you have had a really successful, beautiful ministry with the Lord. Okay, so God's got these amazing ways that he moves people on. And here we go. Angels. Have you ever seen an angel? Have you ever been spoken to by an angel? Well, I'm not sure, but I just have this feeling that we might have been because we were up the back of China and we had no money. And when we went to use our visa card, it's different over there and they have two extra digits on it. Oh, help. No language, no money. But God, and we met this woman who was actually in the bank, uh, she was a bank uh, employee, and she lent us money from her personal account. Who does that? Incredible, incredible. I mean, you could say it was incredibly stupid that we got to that place, that we actually had no money, but you know, um, it was all part of this miracle stuff that we were walking. God told us to take a slow boat to China. And we were in Laos at that time, and there's the Mekong River, and that sure is a slow boat. And when we read about it, uh, there were no boats to China. They've all been stopped because of bandits up the river. It's pretty remote. And so um, what do you do? Oh, well, they, everybody says, so take that bus. But God didn't tell us to take a bus to China. He told us to take the slow boat. So we just kept going anyway, and we got to the final point, and people were still saying, no, there's no boats. And then a man in a cafe with this little bit of English says, oh, I know, man. And he said, I go. So he went off, and he talked to this man, and by nightfall, we were on a boat to China, and it was a whole group of retired Chinese people who had been down to the Golden Triangle to Gamble! <laughs> and we had this awesome time with them. But I tell you, this is how much we didn't know. That trip took a whole day extra from what we thought it would take. So we got to the next afternoon thinking we're nearly there, but there's no one who has English on board to ask, so I'm drawing little clocks. And it turns out that it takes a whole day extra. You know, but God didn't, there's no problem in his, because he told us not to book things. So it's like, so that's how we ended up quickly on the boat. Oh, whoops, we missed the money bit. And suddenly we're in China with no money. But you see, this is a bit. God called us to do this, and so God provided. 
And if you don't have the rational ways of provision, he is still faithful regardless, and he will do it another way. But if you don't step out, you won't find that. You'll have a mediocre kind of a... And it doesn't have to be on the border of China. It could be in your street. This is not about how far you go. We just happen to have the immense privilege of going up that way. But this is about how you walk your life. Okay, so Angelic. You know, um, there was a lady called Gladys Aylward... And uh, she led a whole band of orphan children through some very, very dangerous places in China when the communists came to power. And later on, uh, she met someone who'd been in an army band uh, group, and and he mentioned that they'd seen them and they were going to kill them, but they just couldn't do it because the guards were too big. And she said, but we didn't have any guards. You know, but they were angels. And this is the kind of thing that our God will do. You don't know the angels that actually have pushed you off the road or pushed another car further over, or who, because it says that they, the guardian angels, are so that we will not trip our feet. We don't know what God's done, and we probably never know till glory, but you can be assured that God has the angels ready to help us. How amazing is that? So actually Philip was in tune with this whole realm and so when an angel came to him and said, go there, he didn't go, oh, I wonder if that was an angel. Oh, I need another angel just to prove to me that that's an angel. But really, that road? That's a desert road. No one goes down. No one goes down that road, especially in the middle of the day. No. Oh, I must have heard that wrong. You ever do that? bet you do. I do. Yeah. But I did actually. I did do that. Oh, no, that can't be you. But actually it was. And the place that God had put on my heart that I was laughing about was actually the truth. So, you know, <laughs> call me Sarah. Yeah. Anyway, so angels and God, and Philip went And you see, that's God's heart, isn't it? He doesn't count numbers, and if there is one person that he wants to minister to, it's important for you to go to that one. I love that. I so love that, because we can be so impressed by numbers, but God isn't impressed by numbers. You know, tradition actually has it that the Ethiopian eunuch took the gospel back to Ethiopia, because there is a church that dates back from that time. And possibly the Coptic church came into being because he, this one man, heard and understood about the grace of the Lord Jesus and took it back home with him. But what about if Philip had said, oh, not today and not that way, not that path that only leads to the desert and not that time of day, he would have missed this guy who was a God-fearer and was seeking and not knowing how to find the truth of the gospel. So there's an angel. And then, Philip's still in the realm. Hey, you know, this is a lesson to us. Let's just keep our hearts in that place where the Lord can speak to us. It doesn't mean that God comes up to us necessarily and goes, Al, I want you to go out that door. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's a nudge. Have you ever had a nudge? You know, when we were going back to uh, Laos, we had this nudge, and it was no word, 
it was just a nudge that we should go and stay at a certain place. And actually, we don't know anybody at that place. We have some contacts in Laos from living there, but we don't know anyone at Savannah Kett. So what did we do? We've learned over time this. We just booked three nights at Savannah Kett. And we just said to the Lord, well, we think it might be you. So we'll book these nights and um, you can do what you do with these nights and maybe it's just for us to pray there. And when we went there and we met this pastor in this very persecuted area, but before we met him, we met his son-in-law, his son and daughter-in-law, and his son was rebelling against God. And by the grace of God while we were there, he returned to God. And okay, so we were there to promote Derek Prince Ministries books, but actually at that instant, I don't think we really were as a number one. We were there so that that pastor who had cried for his son for years and years and years would see the answer to his prayers. And I don't know why it was that us two little Kiwis would just, just, there would be something that broke in his heart. And he had enough English and, and we had enough um, ability to minister with the worship of the Lord to his heart. That's God. That's God. And that's the way he wants us to walk. And it doesn't have to be overseas. You know, Al told us the other, other week about feeling like he needed to stop at Tahuna Beach and he got out of the car and he found the guy and it was the guy he needed to minister to. And so we have to reset our minds. If you think that God might be saying something to you, what do you do? So the first thing you can do is go, no, that's not me. Or the second thing you can do is, uh, if it's still there tomorrow, I'll think about it. <coughs> that's a good one. I'll just let it rest. And the third thing you can do is say, get down, fear of man. What can be the worst that can happen? Oh, some people could think I was stupid. Well, then let them think you're stupid. Who cares? Because we're not here for the fear of man. We're here for the fear of the Lord. You know? So get out and do it. Oh, look, this is the most wonderful way to live. It absolutely liberates you to say to yourself, I don't care about what people say. I care about my Father God and his kingdom coming. And so... Laugh at me, go on. But I'm going to do what I feel on my heart that the Lord has called me to do. And it might be a cake for the neighbour. And it might be mind somebody, mind a child for somebody. Boy, that has ministered to me at times in my life. There's many different practical and, and or word ways that God can lead you. So, Holy Spirit, wow, you've got to have him. So here comes Philip, and we're going to read this now because it's the most awesome story. We're going to chapter 8, Luke chapter 8. And we've, got, we've already talked about Philip went into Samaria because of persecution, and we're going to turn now to chapter, verse 26. Oh, I love this story. Man. Now an angel of the Lord, this is when he's in the middle of ministry, said to Philip, go south on the road, the desert road, not attractive, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of Ethiopians. 
This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. He may not have said those exact words. He might have put an impression on his heart, but that's the same as him saying it. It doesn't matter how the spirit says it. If you feel it, do it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading. And actually, chariot probably is a little bit of a grandiose uh, representation of what the man was traveling, and it was probably an ox cart. And if you know anything about oxen, they sure don't go fast. It's really hard to make an oxen run. They don't. They plod. So a, a slow run would have been enough to keep Philip abreast with this particular vehicle. Okay. So this passage of scripture he was reading, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. We know about that, don't we? Man, talk about prophetic scripture. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet speaking about? Himself or someone else? Whoa, hello, did you get that? Have you got that sort of like indicator that you should share the gospel? The Lord doesn't have to say to him, now share the gospel. That's a bit redundant. When he asks a question like that, you've got the answer. Okay, go for it. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they travelled along the road, they came to some water. This could have been considerably later, I'd say, because, you know, the next thing is, after the Holy Spirit's direction, he gets invited by the official to climb on board. Got to be a lot better than walking in the sun. So he's on the, the uh, chariot or ox cart with this man and what do you think he's doing now? Well, he shared and the guy said, I believe. So what's he doing? I bet he's telling him everything he knows about the Lord as fast as he can to get as much in in the time he's got because this is the only opportunity he's got to share with this man and build his faith before he goes. So wouldn't you be discipling him with all your heart and did you know this? And, da, 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 da. and God will do this. And he's faithful in this. And did you know this? And, and but Because he couldn't leave him with a Bible and say, read this, John chapter 3, verse 16. Because there wasn't any New Testament. Imagine that, becoming a Christian, and the only books were the old Hebrew books of the Old Testament. So if you didn't tell him how to walk in the faith, no amount of reading was going to tell him. And you know, sometimes we think that the Bible will be enough for a new Christian, but it won't. Because that person needs you too. And we're going to have to get this because the Lord's going to bring people into our midst and we're going to have to walk the miles with them shorter or longer to train them to be mature in the Lord because that's another of the calls on our life. So journeying with people is God's arrangement for us not journeying alone. We're journeying with a family here 
this is very precious. You know, I don't know if you know how precious this is. How precious it is to have brothers and sisters that encourage us in the Lord week by week, day by day, that we could go to for help and strength and prayer and all those things that we need. This is just vital and it's going to become more vital. You know, the Apostle Paul says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. And I know there's a, a whole heap of offended people out there who have chosen not to um, come into the church. I can understand offence, but you've got to get over it. You know, because offence actually destroys you. Offence actually lessens your ability to walk with God. Don't have it. Okay, so we're journeying, and then the guy says, I want to be baptised. So where are we here? They, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's water. Who can stand in the way of my being baptised? <clears throat> Obviously, they talked about this as being something important in the faith. And when we read through Acts, they come bang, bang. You get saved, you get baptised, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Bang, bang, bang. Okay, so he says, do it. So he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Whoa. Yeah, and the eunuch didn't see him again but went on his way rejoicing. Actually, that tells me that the, the filling of the Holy Spirit happened at that time because it brings great joy. And he knew he had enough. He was empowered to walk the walk by himself with the Holy Spirit. How good is that? I mean, he had enough after one afternoon in the presence of Philip, who'd sowed and sowed and sowed into his life. He'd been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. He had enough to go on and take the message to his part of the world. Wow. Okay, so do you know how to do that? If you don't know how to do that, time to upskill. All right. So, divine transportation. Ooh. How many have been, anybody been divinely transported? I'd like to hear your story. Come up, come up, come on, come on. Oh, but I've got my hand up. I'd love it. Yeah, somebody else too. Yeah, why not? Actually, we are in the same era as this story. We are walking in the same era of the Christians walking before the second coming of Jesus. So what? Happened to him could happen to us. It has happened to some people, but I just it's not very common. It happened to Ezekiel too, actually, way back in the Old Testament. It happened to Jesus. So, you know, like, let's not limit what God might do if you're in a situation that needs it. But if you're sitting on your couch watching TV, you will not be transported. Yeah. Okay, so Philip had a miracle mindset. And you know, this is a time for us to reset our minds. You know, let's have a mindset for more than what we have had in the past because this is what we can expect when we walk with the, with the Lord. This is the kind of God we serve. We serve a God of miracles. So we can see an angel. That's okay, good, hallelujah. We can hear the Holy Spirit very clearly. doesn't matter whether he goes, ugh, or whether he speaks to you and you actually hear the words. It does not matter. He will guide you. It says he will guide you until the day that you die. 
So there's every faithful, every minute of the day, our faithful God is there to guide you. Yeah. So now, what do you think happened after this? So, oh, lovely transportation. God, drop me at home, would you? Just down there, actually Caesarea, thanks, God. Oh, no. God didn't drop him at home. He dropped him in the middle of somewhere else. Well, that's not very convenient. Could you have had a wee grump here? But not Philip. No. Philip was saying, wow, more people who don't know Jesus. Well, obviously now this is the area that God wants me to share with people. With people. And off he went. So it says here, so Philip appeared in Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, this is just back to pretty routine. His routine was, I just serve the Lord and speak every day what he tells me to speak. That's what God does. That's what God does through Philip. Just day by day by day, and there's no other time when he's mentioned until Acts 21 when Paul comes and stays a few days with him. So obviously people know this faithful servant who since that time of incredible miracles has faithfully served God, <clears throat> maybe for the next 20 years. He's grown a family, he's got four daughters who are prophetesses, he's taught them right. And so Paul and he are having a conversation together. I wonder, this is just a thought, was Luke sitting next to the Apostle Paul and when Paul and uh, Philip are just sharing about what's happened in their lives. This might have been the time that the apostle, that that uh, Luke, the doctor, heard these amazing stories for the first time and thought, "This is worthy of my book that I'm writing." Who knows? But isn't it awesome that we can have a, a, an example of this amazing miracle mindset man? And this man of perseverance who just continues on from village to village to village preaching the word of God. So when he gets to the end and he gets the good, well done, good and faithful servant from the Lord, what will it be for? Obedience. It won't just be through walking through an amazing miracle time. It's more likely to be because he persevered through the whole rest of his life as a faithful man of God and evangelist. It just so happened that he had some amazing miracles through the time. And you know, most of our life is fairly mundane. We actually have to do what we have to do during the day. But God is in it. God is in those details if we would just open our hearts to see them. Yeah. Now, I just want to talk to you guys about a picture I had yesterday when I was praying about this. It's all very nice to have a lovely story, isn't it? I mean, Philip is a wonderful story in the Bible, and we can just, oh, I love that story. It's one of my favourites. Oh, and then turn the page. What I had a picture of was a whole set of doors closed. Now, I think, thinking and praying about it, it might have been like motels, and all the doors were closed. And I believe that inside, they were occupied. 
And this can be our life too. It can, we can have the door closed in our life so that we're actually comfortable because we've got the couch, the TV, the remote, and my phone inside. And, we don't, and, and this is not talking about a literal thing. This is talking about spiritually, you know, that the doors can be closed. And it just means that we are comfortable. We have enough. And I just believe that today God wants to challenge us. No, we don't have enough because there's a whole lot more and we can walk the ways of the early church if we will step out. And the challenge is, will we go and open up the door? And you know in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, some of you could quote it, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open that door, I will come in and sup with them and they with me. And I believe that the ancient doors didn't have a handle on the outside. They just had a handle on the inside. Now this verse was not spoken to seekers, even though it's many times used for those who don't know Jesus yet. This verse was spoken to people in one of the seven churches of Asia, so it was spoken to Christians. And there's Christians who just somehow, maybe they closed the door because they thought they had enough. Maybe they closed, they didn't close the door, it blew shut because there were some difficult trials and the door got shut and it hasn't been opened since. But you know what the Lord wants to say to us is open that door. Come on, open that door because I want to come and sup with you. And that means refreshment. I want to refresh you. I want to reinvigorate you so that you'll be able to walk out of the stale, closed in air into the freshness of the outside where he's called you to be. Because, you know, the Bible is not so much about staying put. It's about going. It's about moving. God's a mover and a shaker, you know, and he calls us to go. Philip got the uh, commission right on. Go. That's what um, Jesus said in Acts 1, and that's what Philip did. He went. And, you know, wherever it is, whether it's down the street, whether it's in the school queue with your kids, whether it's in your career, God still says to you, go tell. Maybe go show. This is our, our ministry with the Lord. We are pilgrims who are moving on to the heavenly city. We are not homesteaders. You know, we're pilgrims. This is what we're called to be. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. That's what it says in the Psalms. There's a blessing to be had with putting aside the stable, comfortable room. And moving out in pilgrimage with God where you don't know what will happen next. Alex and I have found that the most exciting things in the world are when the Lord says, don't book, don't do this, just go. Try it out. Okay, let's pray. Father, you are the most faithful God. You are with us every single day of our lives. You have a call for us to come out. To come out of these rooms that we might have put ourselves in and shut the door. You've got a call on our lives 
to be more, to do more, to have more, to feel more of the presence of God. And we want to say to you, Jesus, if this is you and you have felt that this is where you've been, you've shut the door and become a hermit in the Lord. There it is, you see, there's a table. There's a table for you. No matter where you are, God will set a table before you, even if it's in the presence of your enemies. This is how we fight our battles. We move out of our room and we walk to that table of the Lord and sup with him. Or let him come in and sup with us. Jesus, you are the most awesome host and you have encouragement for us. You have empowerment for us. You have everything we need and more. Everything we need and more. You have miracles for us. And we, want, we say to you, God, we want these miracles. We don't want to walk mediocre. We want to walk miracle mindset. You just do the work in us today, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, that when we say yes to you, you're right in there, fast as. You don't hold back because you love us. And then we started with that song about the love of the Father. He wants the best for us. God, we want that. We, we, we agree with you for the best that we would walk the walk that you've chosen for us, up and downs with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.